Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 125 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles, joined as always by my mainest man, Willie Saylor. But today, a very, very special day. We have a very special guest. And this man, he truly needs no introduction. However, he deserves one. He has defeated every champion from every organization the sport of mixed martial arts has ever seen and retired from the octagon as the biggest draw and the industry's highest paid athlete of all time from Westland, Oregon, Chael Sonnen. Mr. Sonnen, how are you? Well, I'm famous and rich according to you, so what could possibly be wrong? How are you, my friend? (laughs) Doing great. Thanks so much for coming on. Of course, that intro from Chael's podcast, You're Welcome. On podcast one, make sure you are listening to that and subscribe to that. How was that going, by the way? What got you into podcasting? You know what? I love it. It's just a way to participate. It's you know, it's it's the same thing with being a fan of flow. It's just a great way to participate and stay involved when you you know when you're not pulling the straps up and walking out there and doing it yourself. I, I love the sport. I, I'm passionate about it. I like to talk about it. That's really it, man. Yeah, I, I listen to. Um... <laughs> I didn't envy you when when you had Nate Diaz on there. Well, I sort of did in that it was so interesting. But, like, keeping that guy on task was like you would ask something and you would end up somewhere completely different. What was it like? What what are your emotions like when you're sitting there with maybe not with Diaz, but on the phone with Nate and it's just going all over the place? He will touch on so many different dimensions at times, you know, when you're and, and you're running in a circle and then your rebuttal, your follow up gets tough because I forget what the hell we're even talking about to start with. But it's fun. You know, people li- you do the thing for listeners and people listen when that guy talks, people listen. And, and, and he has accidentally and unintentionally become one of the most marketable guys in the company. He's really very fascinating incredibly fascinating guy. I mean, he just like subtly drops the bomb that like GSP was like, like tested positive or was on steroids or something just like casually in the middle of, of it's like, whoa, 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 back up. 
like you're burying the lead here. I, I, I just remember being very, uh, like every everything you said, you're just kind of taking it back. So, so that's going well. You, you enjoy, you enjoy podcasting. What else is is new with you, Chael? Uh, let's see what's new. I don't have a whole lot new. You know, we're working with Flow. We're getting this uh, submission underground thing going. So I'm out in Austin right now. I'm sitting side by side with Willie. Right, I'm in the offices, man. I know. This I'm is... in the place. I'm where it all goes. To. This is my first time too. I've never been to the Flow office. I've seen a bunch of stuff. I've seen the videos that come out. So this is like, if you're a wrestling fan, this is like going to Disneyland. I'm pumped. I woke up extra early this morning, high on life, because I was pumped to come see this place. So I got about ten feet in, and I came into uh, the, a bottom floor room, almost like this this dark cellar. Willie was sitting here. <laughs> I opened the door, and it was like, Willie, is that you? I can't see a damn thing. He's sitting here in the dark. Um, and that's it. I'm told we're talking some World Cup, and I am ready to go. Yes, yes, World Cup. Um, will you be in attendance, perhaps, or will you just be watching? No, from... doggone it. I, I have tickets and everything, and uh, there's even an event before the event. Uh, you saw that Daniel Cormier was named as the honorary captain of the team uh, or possibly chairman, whatever title they gave. There's an event, and I was hoping to go and be part of it. You know, again, it's like it's like a wrestling fan's you know, it's, it's one of the few events you, you get a year that are on American soil where they, they do a pre-party and all this stuff. I got to go to the World Cup a couple years ago. I even got to call some matches with Jake Herbert. I had a great time, but I just simply can't be in L.A. So I gave my uh, tickets to a, a buddy, Daryl. He's going to go out there with John Bardis and, and join the crew. But I will be watching on Flow. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's Your travel good. schedule is crazy, right? How, how often do you go to Bristol? I'm in well, you know, I was just there yeah. last weekend, and then I I leave here. We're in Austin right now. I, I go home for one night, and I, I go back to Bristol. So yeah, I've been living out of a suitcase about four days a week for yeah. a few years now. You got your hands. Oh, the other the last time you were on um, Sports Center, you mentioned Front Row Brian, and he promptly sent the video to all of us via text. Oh, he did see it. He was pumped. Yeah, good. I let him know because he he broke some news. You know, Errol Hawani got fired over that news. They brought him back in. But what, what do you make of all that? I mean, you know, us and you know, some people say we're not journalists, but we we think we are. And you know, part of it is breaking news. And Ariel broke news. Now, was he um, was he under contract with UFC? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, what do you make of all this? Ariel's hands were clean on this, and I'll tell you why. Uh, look, that is his job. He breaks news. Not only did he break a story, but he checked his sources, and his story turned out to be right. What Ariel didn't know, and this is relevant because you know the UFC does protect secrets. Same as same as anybody, same as any company. You've got to you've got to be able to unveil things you want. What has to be understood is if somebody grabbed Ariel and said, "Listen, we've got some news. We fear that you're going to get it because you're the best at this." Don't say anything. We want to do it our way. Boom. Ariel shuts his mouth. Ariel follows a code of secrecy uh, that journalists have to have between not revealing your sources or being able to keep something under your hat. He follows that code. Nobody told him. Ariel just thought, wow, I just came across the nugget. Let me check it out. Yeah, it works. And he sent out one tweet and then he moved on with his day. If you check his timeline, he he posted five other things within that 20 minute period. This wasn't the most pressing thing in his life. It just was in the UFCs, and he had no way to know that. So, look, his, his hands really were clean on that, and and they agree. They agree with me. Cooler heads have availed, uh, prevailed, and Ariel is back in the fold where where he belongs. Yeah, yeah. You had to figure that was. You can't keep a guy like that out of your. You don't want a guy like that out of covering your sport or at, or at your events. So that was a weird, weird kind of little saga. Hey, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this because you might find it interesting. I was out at ESPN. When that all went down, we, we were covering it. Our boss 
the head guy of ESPN, Glenn Jacobs, he did not know. We mm. did not have the information that Ariel Hawani somehow had. We were tipped off that there was going to be an announcement between the co-main and the main that uh, would directly impact UFC 200. That is all we were told. And our boss was trying to piece it together because he needed to have B-roll ready mm. so that when the UFC made the announcement, we could break into Sports Center and go live and have a package ready to air for the fans. But he didn't know which direction to go. Wow. So we were putting our, our detective hats on, and we narrowed it down to either Ronda, GSP, or Brock. And I was the one going, listen, I think it's Ronda. If it's GSP, he'll tell me. Let me call George right now. He might tell me it's a secret. Don't say anything, but he will tell me. And it just can't be Brock. I thought Brock would have USADA issues and just it simply couldn't be Brock. Um, so I was wrong. But the, the point of that, guys, was uh, that's how good Ariel is. Look, Jeez. we're ESPN, and we didn't have the information, but Hawani had it. So good job, Ariel. That's unreal. It's unreal that the UFC wouldn't even want to tip you off just, just so you guys were prepared because obviously that's huge for the – for the event to have sports center and and all that behind it so unreal that is <laughs> ariel's incredibly good at what he at what he does so this it's, world cup this world it's amazing cup. yeah it's amazing um Chell, you have so much you know you, you have your you testing the waters in so many things or, or involved in so many things uh mma and then your podcast and this and that and and when we're talking about having you on we're like well what questions should, should we ask him and i said um you know, we, we said, well, Chael, Chael's dialed into wrestling. We can just talk about the World Cup, and we don't have to treat him like a celebrity as much as talking really, really talking wrestling. Because, I mean, one thing that I've always picked up on is I'm a Fargo junkie, and you are like a Fargo historian, which is really cool. You see, for me, when I, when I grew up, I came through the Peninsula Wrestling Club. Roy Pittman, uh, head coach, at the time that he got his gold-level uh, status through USAW, he was only the third coach in the country to have done it. He's had an Olympian or an Olympic alternate on every team since 1980, and it's not his job. He is a children's wrestling coach, and he and that includes this year. Kelsey Campbell, though we didn't qualify the weight, did make an Olympic team. She won the trial. So uh, Coach Pittman's streak continues. I'll tell you this. All we ever talked about, we never talked about the Olympics. We didn't talk worlds, and we damn sure didn't talk about state championships. Every single day at Peninsula Park, we talked about Fargo. That was the Della Creme. Uh, the Junior Nationals, and it used to be in Iowa. When it went over to Fargo, people quit calling it the Junior Nationals. They just start calling it Fargo. But, yeah, I'm a Fargo junkie. I respect that tournament. I know the history of it. I've been through the grind. And in my opinion, if you want to be the best high schooler out there, you have to win Fargo. And uh, every time I make this argument of recent time, people bring up Aaron Pico, who did go win it as a freshman. They'll bring up Pico. They'll bring up Mark Hall, who doesn't enter. And I'll go, listen, I concede how great they are, the best wrestler in the country is whoever wins Fargo. And if Mark Hall doesn't in, enter the tournament, then he then he doesn't qualify for that. And people get mad when I say that, and I do realize how ridiculous it is, but I mean that as a respect to the tournament and the history that goes on every summer out of North Dakota. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you're really dialed in. It's great to see. You know, there's a lot of ex-wrestling celebrities, but not all of them stay dialed into the sport, and you do, and so we are – Really happy to have the World Cup live on Flow and discuss with you a little bit about it, Christian, right? Hey, Christian, have you guys, can I ask a question? Have you guys already dug into this? But we are already foreshadowing Imar versus Mark Hall, correct? I mean, Cale Sanderson's not going to bench this guy. He's going to put him in next year, and they're going to go at it. Have you guys discussed you this? You think so? 
I think he's got to. I mean, that's Kale's history. You put the best team on the mat that you can when you can. Well, Imar already sent out a tweet that he's going up to 165. That's the biggest match of the year. I mean, that's the Gwiz Schneider. That's the Perry Howe. That's the uh, Dake Taylor of 2017. There is no bigger match that we can put on. I can't imagine a wrestling lover like Kale Sanderson is, is, is not going to do what's best for wrestling. I just don't think he will. I think he'll put that match together, and he'll put it together as many times as he can. Well, I mean, I, I think it's, it's possible that we see Mark year one, but they've got a guy there now who's going to be a freshman named Vincenzo Joseph who's outstanding. And a, I, I, a guy named Vincenzo Joseph. Thank you. Like I don't know who Vincenzo Joseph. <laughs> okay, is. okay. I I know. I know. I'm sorry. That's a, yes. Of course, you know who Vincenzo is. So yes. Yeah, so you know who he is. So you know. I, I think he's their guy next year at 165, and I think Hall eventually will slot in as a 74 with Nickel at some point moving up. I don't know. I I think for Penn State, I don't think I don't think we see Hall next year. That's my opinion. Yeah. But I, I'm with you that Hall Imar is is unbelievable. Is an unbelievable match. Oh yeah, and and you know when Imar when Imar wins universities, then the speculation it, it got even more um, talked about is what would happen if Hall and Imar met the university champ versus the the uh, junior champ, and uh, I, I think the I think the kind of assumption is maybe that all these guys, Miles Martin, Bo Nickel, Zahid Valencia, I think the speculation is, or the prevailing thought is that they stay at 74 one more year and wait till Gabe Dean graduates and then they'll all move up. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. So I, I want to see that match very badly. How do you think that match would go? I'm our Mark Hall. Any speculation? Yeah, it's it's really hard. I speculate about it all the time. I mean, I, I'm Imar is... Imar is unbelievable, and you can't get around that loss that he had to Nolf. You just always default to that, which before is he was the untouchable, he was the new Kale Sanderson. But, I, I mean, they've got a lot of common matchups. Even Marsteller, which, which we saw over the weekend, Marsteller gave him problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, Imar gave him bigger problems. But Marsteller was a real match for him. Mark, Mark Hall put Marsteller away in 44 seconds. Yeah. Took him down, laced him up, and put him away. It looked like Bur- Burroughs versus Dake. You can't get around that, and that wasn't their only meeting. Um, you know, you go back to the, the juniors last year out in Las Vegas where Mark Hall wins it. He puts uh, uh, JoJo Smith away in 42 seconds, again, with a takedown lace to a finish. Goes into the finals, beats Nolf 9-3, but if you watched it, it might as well have been 90-3. to It was not a competitive match. Did some amazing things in there, and I believe Marsteller ended up third there. He came back and beat JoJo. Uh, so, you know, you just look at it and go, well, you've got all these common opponents, and at the end of the day, Nolf is a problem for Imar, and he's not a problem for Mark Hall. Hmm. Does that does does A equal B equal C? No, it doesn't. I get that the math doesn't work, but that's a real match. Any way you slice it, that's a match. No one's kicking the other one's butt. Those guys are going to go to war. Yeah, I think I completely agree. I wonder how uh, – I think Mark Hall, his style works really well for – freestyle and it's somewhat catered to it and i think in a folk style match it it tips the scales maybe slightly in imar's favor where i think and i think your logic is sound in that well they've never wrestled or well they have actually but it's been years and years since they've competed so let's look at some recent common opponents so that makes sense that's logical line of thinking and now you have to consider well what does it mean for for folk style and that's where 
I really don't know. I think Imar could present problems on the mat for Hall, but I don't and, know that to be true. And let me ask you this. What do you do? It's probably a better question for Willie, but what do you do with rankings next year as it pertains uh, to Zahid Valencia? I mean, do you throw it out and go, wow, it's freestyle. We got to see some collegiate. Or do you look at the fact that he just beat number one and number two from last year's NCAA tournament and he beat them both soundly? I mean, you can't just ignore the guy, right? For sure. Um, so for the college rankings, I don't factor in any freestyle at all because while maybe it makes some sense in, in an instance like Zahid, for example, but how would you weigh a Lucas Sheridan pin over Jaden Cox or a Anthony Ashnault winner? It gets really muddy in freestyle with some of the results. So you, you can't really – you can't pick and choose what you include, and I don't think it's reasonable to include all freestyle. So I just don't include any. It's a different sport, which – which can have different results. And a guy like Zahid Valencia will be ranked starting the year based on the redshirt year he had, which was pretty good. And in in my experience with guys like, like a Kyle Snyder, who began his true freshman year unranked, these guys are so good. A month into the season, they're in the top 10 or top 5 in some instances. So it's really just uh, early season. It's maybe not as accurate as it's going to be, but it really in my experience, it works itself out quickly. So Zahid won't be ranked in the top three or four to start next year uh, if he goes 74 or 84, which that's not fully been decided yet. But I do think you got to go 174 um, if you're Zahid Valencia after beating those guys. Um, but I don't. He won't be in the top five. Let's say I don't think he'll be there just based on his folk style body of work. Yeah, I get it, and I get your point that it does change quickly. I ha- I had one, uh, you know, talking point earlier this year. Bo Nickel came out; he was ranked number twenty, and, and when it came out, I stuck my finger right on the page. I was talking to my buddy Joel, and I said, "This is wrong. This is the best wrestler Texas has ever had." And Brandon Slay would agree. This is the best wrestler they've ever had. He 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 wrestled Mark Hall three times, beat him twice. Uh, ended up in the finals of the Junior World Team Trials, lost to a young man by the name of Gabe Dean, 3-1, to one, when he was still in high school. Mm-hmm. And they put him in the 20 spot. I just said, man, I don't know how guys are missing this, but this Bo Nickel, is, he could go all the way. He could win this damn thing. And then he had those great performances over Brunson, and people finally started to take notice. And he almost did win it. He got cut on his back for five. Right. Right, and Bo, Six. Bo's a prime example of you rank on things that are measurable, so sometimes you have to throw out a little bit of logic. Like his true freshman year, he lost to a, a, a kid named Andy McCauley from Wyoming, um, which is not – you know, Andy McCauley was a solid um, NCAA qualifier for Wyoming. So you're ranking it based on, on things he's done, not – you don't really go by close losses or, or wins in high school. It has to be about what he's done in college. So – with these elite guys, their freshman year, you have maybe a month or two of those kind of um, rankings that are not necessarily accurate. But o- over time, I think it makes sense to let them prove it in folk style D1 competition. But you're right, you know, Bo Nickel at 20, if we look back on that now, it'd be a little jarring. Yeah, and I agree with that. I don't mean to bring up history, but I'm a fan, and fa- I love one thing. I love controversy. I love to sit <laughs> back and complain, and the more I'm complaining, the happier I am because that, that's what I do as a fan. But to your point, Christian, what I mean, there was people that brought Schneider in with no matches and put him in front of Gwiz, who had won 79 straight, two world titles mm-hmm. in that weight class. I'm going to call it a world title. Uh, I mean, that's the NCAA is the world championship of collegiate wrestling. 
If you can win a Super Bowl and they call you a world champion when you <laughs> limit every country but the U.S. to enter, then you better believe our NCAA champs are world. But you get my point. Right. He'd won, he beat 79 men. 79 men tried to bring him down and not one of them succeeded. They bring in a runner-up from a different weight class with no matches and put him as the number one ranking. History proved those people were right, but respect says that I'm right. Out of respect, you cannot put a guy with no matches on the calendar year and from a different weight class who was a runner-up over a two-time champ on a 79-win streak. You're absolutely right, and and actually, Chael, I would contend that those people, whether Snyder wins or not, the ranking was still incorrect. It was an incorrect ranking to put Kyle Snyder at number one with no matches at heavyweight coming off. Of free- You're ranking him based on freestyle, which you, you can feel free to do that. And just because he ends up winning, rankings aren't predictions. Rankings are, are rooted in process and things that happened in the past. And this is a guy, Kyle Snyder, who lost to Nathan Burak and Morgan McIntosh and Kyvan Gadsden twice as a true freshman. And you're... They projected when they put him at number one. They didn't rank. Gwizdowski was the rightful number one until he lost. You're you're absolutely right. So Boom. I, there it is. All right. Boom. Roasted. Okay. Um, I, I love that you love rankings because I could talk about rankings all day, Chill. Well, they're so fun. I mean, it, it's controversial. Whenever people are judging people, it's not fair. I don't care if you're talking <laughs> about swimming, diving, rodeo boxing when people judge people it's not fair but it makes for great talking points and if you're a fan that's what you care about that's what you have something to argue about you know people always ask me what's wrestling missing how how can wrestling uh market better and i always give an answer well you know the production could be a little better but it's not what it is i just don't ever tell people the truth the number one thing wrestling's missing is controversy the Mm. biggest story of last year was gwiz versus snyder the second biggest story of last year was coach dresser calling the Brands Brothers what he called them. And if the Brands Brothers would have had the sense that God gave Geese to respond and then set up a mat, you would have had the biggest dual meet in recent memory. Wrestling needs controversy. Controversy creates cash. God bless Coach Dresser for coming out and speaking his mind. And if Brands would have responded, and I know you can't do it. you got administrations. you got It's a little bit different deal. But just imagine my point. Had he responded... And then Dresser respond. Now all of a sudden the guys are chirping in. You roll up a mat, you set up 10 chairs on either side of it and start selling the tickets and put your feet back because you're going to make history. Yeah, no no question. If if we had seen that duel within – even if we saw it next year, I think, if, if they had gotten on the phones and made that duel happen, I, I think it still would have been huge. But I don't think that duel is going to happen, unfortunately, as much as – I would love to see, and I think the entire community would see. It, it's true, and it's the controversial thing. It, it it's almost like counter to like a lot of the wrestling, or at least the old order wrestling mentality. And I think it's it kind of gets bristled against. But yeah, if we had more heels and we had more um, outspoken personalities and bad guys, I think for sure the the sport well, would grow. I'll popular. tell you, I listen to your guys' podcast every week. Your most memorable podcast for me is when Willie sacked up and called Mike Moyer out. You know, most people would be so scared because, you know, he's in charge in a leadership role. But the bottom line is, man, you've got to have these conversations. If you want anything to get better, you have to have debate. And I, I completely agreed with Willie. I had my own run-ins with Mike Moyer. I, I haven't figured out how he holds that position. And I'm not looking for a guy to lose his job. Or anything, but at the bottom line, 
I have had my own experiences with them, and I've wondered why nobody spoke up. I just, I just have. There's been some problems there. That's the guy they send in. Every time a program's going to get cut, that's the guy they send in. And they did it at Portland State. And I was at the meeting, and Mike Moyer rolled in, and he gave his speech. And I turned to Matt Lillen, and I said, if this is the guy that's going to save the program, we can roll up the mats today. And sure as heck, 40 days later, we rolled the mats up. Yeah. I have never seen Mike Moyer save a program. I've seen these programs get on the chopping block, and he comes in, and he comes into town, and he's got the same shtick every time, and he sits everybody down. It's like, Mike, this is the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. It's not as easy as that. And the wrestlers who are the baddest dudes on campus always keep their mouth shut. The squeaky wheel gets the grease in any walk of life. And the wrestlers have always been too humble and too complacent and too happy to be there. And it's like, guys, if you want to go the other way and you want us to start smacking you in the mouth, we'll do it. But we will get our way every time. Nobody pushes wrestlers around unless it happens in an office with a pencil and a piece of paper. And it makes me sick. And I'm sick of seeing it. And I don't like Moyer's approach. I simply don't like his nice guy, let's hope everything works out approach. I want a preemptive strike the best general never has to fire a shot. Get the money bags ready. Get, get your influence ready. Make your positioning now so that you don't have to go to war later. And then when it's time to go to war, it's always this big hug fest and hope that everybody likes us so they keep us. It doesn't work that way. Sometimes you got to get tough. Sometimes you look, Donald Trump says it right. You've got to be tough. You've got to be tough in business. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, almost a, it's an interesting segue to when you're talking about money and saving Division One programs and and you know that a lot of people cite um, the success they have with NAIA or D three and and that's great, um, but D one has been has been susceptible and um, I, uh, most of the time it comes down to money and funding and 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 I think that you're 100 percent right that you have to be preemptive. Um, and me and Christian were just talking about this off the air. The, there's money being injected by private donors, the Andy Barth, the Mike Novogratz. God John, bless him. John Bartis, right? Your friend. Mm -hmm. um, and we were talking about, okay, I, I don't know if that's, this is supposed to be disclosed. I won't say the exact number. But the, the Andy Barth pretty much funds the entire World Cup trip. In L.A., the entire event, he loses a lot of money, and it's all for the sake of wrestling. It's all for the sake of, of, of promoting the sport. But he's just, he's just, to my knowledge, he's just, that's kind of giving away the money. The point is, there should be some kind of model. He should take, and many, maybe there is a model in place that I don't know about, but that money should be there for perpetuity, to set up something that's, that's long-lasting, um, instead of maybe just giving it away. Yeah, he throws it away. I know your point, and, and God bless him. Andy Barth is a saint within this industry. Art Martori, uh, you know, he, sh he should be an honorary member of the Hall of Fame without question for all that he's done for it. Those guys treat wrestling like NASCAR owners, and they do lose money, and they're smart enough guys to set up a model, but they're, they're just not interested enough to do it. But I get your point on that. You know, John Bartis is happy to write the check, but there's not a structure there where there's a return. And... Uh, I don't know the answer to that, but, you know, thank God for, for Andy Barth. You know, you bring up the World Cup, but the, the stuff that he's done, the impact that he's made at these side tournaments, uh, you know, the old AC, which they're calling the Bill Farrell now, uh, to, to the Schultz tournament, 
um, all the way down to the U.S. Open. You know, it matters to him. That plaque at the end of the day matters to him, and he comes out and competes. And if other people would jump in that space, he'd have a lot more fun. He wants a fight. He wants some other guy to come in and start trying to buy his guys and, uh, you know, trump him. There's some fun there in the competition. And everybody's just kind of stepped back and said, well, Andy, have your fun. What they're missing is Andy's a competitor. He wants <laughs> some guys to jump in there and let, let, let's have this out. Let's follow the point system. Let's see who – don't just hand me the trophy every year because I'm handing the checks. But that's a, I, I'm going in a little bit different direction, but I, I understand your point, Willie. Okay. okay so, and that's part and parcel from the way I understand it. Um, while this, why this will be the last World Cup in L.A. at least – for this run, um, maybe some one year it comes back, but as of now, it's planning to go to Iran next year. Um, but it's a it's a fantastic event. Um, you were there, yeah, and you see those crowds, especially the the Iranian population in L.A. Um, fantastic event, Christian. What do we got on on tap for this weekend as far as how you how you see the World Cup playing out? Well, you know, day one, we're gonna have India and then Azerbaijan. And I think there, there's a lot of extremely interesting matches in those first two duels. Starting with the Indian squad, their, their lightweights are incredibly... Um, Juice. Yeah. <laughs> tough. Really tough guys. World, world medalists. World fifth guys. And that's we'll, we'll see Dennis and likely Ramos put to the test there. But Azerbaijan not sending their best team, which is disappointing because their best team... Their best team could... Literally win the Olympics. Like that. I mean, they might not. They're not probably as good as Russia, but they're gonna have gold medal contenders at a lot of their weights between Rahimi, uh, or not Rahimi, between Aliyev, Asgarov, um, Gazumov. They've they've got a lot of really good guys in there, and um, it's too bad. But they're still gonna have some really tough tough matches in day one, and we need to go undefeated there for the shot at the finals. Um, and we'll have to beat Iran on day two. So I, I don't know. There's a lot of different directions we could go with World, with World Cup, Willie. Uh, I, I'm interested in, in Chael's take on Team USA. Dan Dennis, Tony Ramos, Molinaro Green, Burroughs, Cox, Snyder, Delagnov. That's our number ones. Um, Chael, what do, you, what do you make of Jaden Cox coming right out? And doing what he's doing. I love it. I love it. So there's always this debate, you know, that, that, look, you cannot get around college wrestling's conditioning. You you can't do it. And people want to talk about, all oh, you should. I've heard some talks from the highest levels at USA Wrestling saying, forego high school and move out to the training center. And the one example that they produce is Henry Cejudo. And it's like, guys, for every Henry Cejudo, I will introduce you a Les Gutches. I will introduce you a Ben Askren. I will introduce you a Brandon Agum, a Kale Sanderson. The list goes on and on. You cannot get around the conditioning. I would rather have the conditioning than a leg lace. And when it comes to Jaden Cox, yeah, he's an unknown. I was on the phone yesterday with Jake Herbert, and we were talking something totally different. Jake's got this, this shirt business going. And before we got off the phone, I said, Jake, let me ask you something. I said, how good is Jaden Cox? And the one thing about Herbert is, is whatever the definition of arrogance is, Jake is the opposite. Jake's very objective about stuff. It's how he gets better. Good self-assessment. He said, Chael, he's the, this is a quote, he's the most elusive guy I have ever wrestled. Now, when you think of all the guys that Jake Herbert has wrestled, okay, five and six matches a week every single Saturday since he's five years old, he said he's the most elusive guy. He said, Chael, I never knew I was in trouble, and all of a sudden it's seven to one. 
He said, I wrestle Jaden Cox. I get the guy's legs all the time. That's the easy part. The finishing's the hard part. He said, I got my hands locked around his leg one time. How am I going to beat a guy if I can only get to his legs one time? And I didn't see that as a viewer. When I watched the match, that, that's not one thing I thought. I just It was just one of those matches. And I, I kind of even chalked it up. Well, maybe Jake wasn't having a good day. That wasn't the case at all. Jake said, look, that's not what happened. He said he was just too elusive. He wasn't where I thought he would be. His reactions weren't what I thought. And I took a lot away from that. You know, so when these guys step in, historically, we've seen this. We've seen good things happen. Stephen Neal, another one in 1999, coming right out of a college season, and four months later, he's the world champion. And people say, well, he has no parterre. Well, you don't need parterre when you've got a three-point double leg and lungs that, that for a five-minute go, which is what it was back then, is no problem. That conditioning trumps everything. A Kyle Schneider, I mean, we can play this game all day, and the other side can put forward one Henry Cejudo. College wrestling, it's the toughest thing there is. It's tougher than, it's tougher than a fist fight. It's tougher than uh, mixed martial arts, Greco freestyle. That's where it's at in collegiate wrestling. That's seven minutes of pushing and pulling and having to get up off the bottom instead of a referee bringing you up with a whistle. It's a big deal. And when these guys step right out of a college room, they've got the advantage every time. Yeah. And, I mean, you mentioned Snyder. You talk about guys with no real parterre offerings. I mean, Snyder does not really get turns. He just wins takedown contests. Yeah, he turns it into a takedown contest. Yeah, and he will take you down more times, and you can't turn him, so that's a credit to his parterre defense. Um, although Varner did turn him into trials, um, which was a little surprising. You haven't seen that. It just speaks to the level that Jake Varner has reached this last year. But, yeah, you don't have to talk to me about NCAA wrestling and how it helps our guys. That's, a, that's an argument Willie and I have, I don't know, every other month. Uh, yeah, but it, it it goes it goes on. You know, they they do that on freestyle too. Or I apologize on Greco Roman. They say, well, you know, the U.S. has no feeder programs for Greco Roman. It's like that's not true. The NCAA is a feeder program, and if you go look at our top medalists, whether it was Brad Barron or Rulon Gardner or Matt Lindland himself, l- listen, that NCAA, that conditioning, that grind, it absolutely college. Greco-Roman is easier. I, I specialize in Greco-Roman myself, and I can tell you it was easier. If you go in and, and trained collegiate every day when you hit that Greco mat, it was a step down. It was easier to do, particularly when you're in that college room with those 18 to 23-year-olds, and then you're going on and taking on 31 and 32-year-olds in, in a Greco-Roman match. The NCAA is a feeder program. Brandon Paulson, I mean, I, I could go through it. Dennis Hall though he didn't go the college route, will be the first to tell you. And a lot of people look at Dennis Hall as our greatest Greco wrestler of all time because of the weight classes he did it in. He will be the first to tell you how much time he spent with Terry Brands and Doug Schwab wrestling collegiate so that he had that grind ability. It's a big deal. It is a feeder program. I'll tell you this. Here's, here's actually where I'm going with it. Matt Lindland. Doing a great job, okay? Two medals and two. Doing an absolutely great job. But Matt would like to see guys come out of high school and go into the Olympic Training Center and go into Greco programs. I've been told my entire life that wrestling is wrestling. So it either is or it isn't. Mm -hmm. Wrestling's either wrestling or we have to do away with that saying. And the best guys, Matt himself, again, the Brad Barons, the Rulon Garner, the best guys all went through that collegiate uh, background and I'm I'm not sure where we're trying to cannibalize one sport for the other. If you go out to a baseball park and you see some great athlete and you grab him after the game, you introduce yourself and you say, "Listen, I'm a wrestling coach and I really think that you'd be good at that." That's totally different than going into a freestyle room and cannibalizing the freestyle room to help the Greco room. 
either wrestling is wrestling and we all help each other or we start attacking. And I have got a little bit confused with the message at times when we're plucking from mm -hmm. one of our own sports and bringing them into a, a, a different workout within our own sport. I get confused by that. I'm a numbers guy. I want more numbers. Absolutely. And Christian, speak on that too a little bit. There's been, there's been messaging um, from Coach Linlin and, and from other guys. And there was, a, there was a back and forth the other day, me, Christian, Coach Linlin, and, and um, on Twitter about, about maybe uh, trying to lock in wrestlers to Greco and lock them. I think Coach Linlin's thing is that they don't, they're not getting the, the, they're not getting the guys they want. They're not getting enough guys. They're not getting enough talent into the Greco program. And, and talk a little bit about that, Christian. Well, I I get that. I mean, I think he's done a, a good job. He's tried to expand that pipeline. He's he's, I know that he's out there actively recruiting some freestyle guys. He's you know he's got a guy like Dylan Ness to to give it a try. You know, Alan Waters comes out, and um, th this wasn't from Coach Lennon, but the kind of attitude was like, well, Alan Waters isn't a true Greco wrestler. You know, he's he loses to Dalton Roberts. He loses to Dalton Roberts because. He got cautioned out. Dalton Roberts he couldn't got disqualified. Right, he couldn't score a legitimate point, a point that you would tell your parents, yeah, I got, well, they're all kind of fake points. But to be fair, every caution was probably merited. So it was. it's more of a conversation with Allen than actual real wrestling adjustments that he needs to make. Um, maybe he would have been gutted 17 times if he had, hadn't false started. I don't know. But the, the point is, there's kind of like, Greco wants to expand, but they're a little like insular and they're like they kind of want their guys at the same time so it's like do you want do you want the best athletes or do you want guys that are true greco guys because you can't yeah, have but in both. their in their defense in coach Lindland's defense um and i don't know if that was the right messaging of from from five point move to to i mean it came off as as if they were saying waters isn't a greco guy um when you you what you want to do is you want to be inclusive and you want to praise them and you want to say um all right, Alan Waters testing te testing the water in in Greco. That's awesome, um, but in Linland's defense, they're not getting these guys. So maybe what they have to do is lock them in early, make make guys Greco guys. I don't know if that's the right approach, but they're they're not getting the the athletes otherwise. I you know you hear the wrestling's wrestling thing. You hear that so much, but if it's not true, it, it's not true. From the freestyle to Greco. I mean, they are, in so many ways, completely different sports. So, uh, is there an exception there? I don't know. I don't know. But you do hear that cliche that wrestling is wrestling all the time. Um, but I don't know. Greco is so specialized. It's so specialized. There's, it's so... There are some things that... Now, I will say this. And this is where I, I think Greco could find an angle here. Greco, I believe and you could speak to this specifically, Chael, really helps freestyle and, and folk style wrestlers. The the ability to hand fight, the ability to hold position. I mean, Linlin talked to me about this after Junior Worlds. Peter Nagy is a Greco-Roman wrestler. And we were talking about Mark Hall. He shut down Mark Hall basically with Greco tactics, with hand fighting. He kept him off his legs. He took the match where he wanted to. So I think there's some serious overlap there. And if you get all these folk style and freestyle coaches to buy into Greco-Roman, maybe you see more guys that have had that experience. Then they'll go the Greco route. Do you think that's possible, Chael? 
I do. I, I mean, there's major opportunity there, you know, and it, and it only takes about 15 to 20 minutes a day. You know, let's go back to Waters. I was so excited when I read that Waters was, was going to wrestle Greco. I watched it, and yet he's terrible. But he won't. Listen, mark my words. He will be on the national team within 24 months. Somewhere in the next two cycles, he will be top three in the country if he goes with Greco. He's dog tough. He just simply didn't know what to do with his hips. When I say he's terrible, what I mean is his position. Well, y- you are terrible until you get it down. You know, it's not a normal thing for a collegiate or freestyle guy to bring those hips up, mm-hmm. to bring those hips in and get your posture and your chest type. You do that uh, in Coach Smith's room out there there in Missouri, you're going to be doing push-ups. You're going to be doing sprints at the end of the day if you're not bent, bent over and, and close to the mat. So it's the opposite of what he's learned. He can't just show up, put down a $25 entry fee, and expect to know how to wrestle Greco. The, the other side of it is you look at Orion Mango where his brother's doing it, and all summer long uh, in between breaks at Stanford, in between breaks in high school, he's on a Greco mat. He starts to learn those positionings. You, you can really pick it up very quickly uh, for the few guys that do it. But, yeah, it, it, it does take a little bit of time. I look at Hayeswinkle. Hayeswinkle, two years ago, was the best all-around wrestler in the country. Yes, somebody, who's the best wrestler? Everybody says Jordan Burroughs. Well, not so fast. If you go by a point system of who did what in both styles, Hayeswinkle was in the final wrestle-off of both styles. Nobody even attempts that let alone attempts to do that successfully. Hayeswinkle was a couple of points away from making a team in both styles, and he never got his credit for that. There's, there, there was never any credit, but it was with me. I'm looking at going, listen, NCAA runner-up, Greco-Roman runner-up, freestyle runner-up, you are all around the best wrestler in the country. If there's one guy that I had have to coach my kid, because I, li- I like to wrestle year-round, it's going to be you. You're the complete package. Matt Lindland was the same way. Freestyle national champion in the universities, collegiate national champion uh, in the junior college, five-time national champion in the Opens for Greco-Roman. Matt was an all-around wrestler. He was an all-around workout guy. And every now and then, I do get a little lost in his message where he wants guys to specialize, because I'm looking at it going, Matt, for me, we talk- look, Dennis Hall, often is viewed as the best wrestler. Steve Frazier gets in that mention. Rulon Gardner gets talked about. For me, it's Matt Lindland. The reason it was Matt Lindland, even with his two silver medals, guys, is he had two silver medals at two different weight classes. I cannot recall anybody, and I'm a historian. I'm an aficionado on this. I cannot recall anybody to bring home two medals in either style in two different weight classes. The great John Smith, the Kenny Mondays, the Kevin Jacksons, the Bruce Baumgarters, the Kurt Angles, the greats of the greats. Didn't do it in two weight classes. I think that Matt Lindland is all around the best Greco-Roman wrestler we've ever had. And I don't think that he practiced his own. I get confused. I just get confused. This isn't bad about me. I trust Matt. I think he's the right guy. For, but I do get a little confused when he's telling guys to specialize. I'm going, well, listen, had, had Ryan Mango specialized, he wouldn't be an All-American. That's a big deal. He's a Stanford grad. He's a handsome kid, and he's an All-American. I mean, that guy's got it all, and he can wrestle Greco. So let's, let's, you know, if he's in the room and wrestling's re- look, wrestling's wrestling or it's not. We've got let's let's make a stand though. We've got a national team coach, the highest-ranked member, highest-ranking coach in the country, telling us wrestling isn't wrestling. Well. Tell me why, because I, I got a young man. I want to train him right from the beginning, but I have been conditioned to believe that wrestling's wrestling. So if, if we're changing stride on that, I want on board now. Who's your favorite Greco guy to watch uh, for Team USA? Okay, not even close. Not even close. And this name will surprise you, but it's not even close. John J. Chavez out of Cornell. John J. Chavez should have wrestled Greco all year. 
He should have been on that Olympic team or at least in the finals with, with Andy Besick. He missed an opportunity. He didn't take it serious enough. I'm making those statements as a fan sitting on the outside. For all I know, he, he had an injury of some sort or Rob Cole just, I don't know what the backstory was. John J. Chavez. And if you go back to Fargo, you go watch what he did to the Rogers boy in the finals, 10-0 first round. John J. Chavez is the most fun guy to watch on any level in the U.S. Among that age group, I mean, just a different he's on a different level different level he went through the treetop system he went out there with ivan his parents packed up and moved uh to be with yes. ivan i mean they took greco seriously i'm gonna do this with my son i we are going to wrestle greco i am i'm got a wrestling room at my house we're going to wrestle greco every day because i think there's an opportunity there i think you can make cadet teams and junior teams just by participating in greco 10 15 minutes a day. John Jay, John Jay's one of those guys, like you said, um, he was one of the few to make the cadet team in both styles. Yeah, yeah, he was. There's a major opportunity in, in, in Greco-Roman. I, I would prefer if that was Matt Lindland's message. There is a major opportunity right there because Greco-Roman, particularly in this country, has been treated as the redheaded stepchild to, to freestyle. But there's an opportunity with that. If you're telling me the best guys are going freestyle, great. Then let's go Greco-Roman because a medal's a medal. A team is a team. The respect is the respect. If you're telling me there's opportunity there and that it's a thinner pool, then let's start practicing. Now, it is hard to do. There's also a lot less Greco-Roman coaches out there. But the guys that go out and they wrestle Greco, you know, they get up in the morning. You, you, you go look at what Ivanov's doing. Listen, he's training these guys in the morning before How school. He? He's phenomenal. How good is they Ivanov? looked at him for the national coach and he didn't get it a lot of, because he wasn't from the, you know, there's some politics there, but he is like, he's like the greatest coach. People, I, Dan Chandler will tell you, Ivan's an amazing coach. Dan Chandler's the man. I can't believe it. And you know, as a, as a guy who does previews for different things, um, at the youth level, cadet and junior stuff and Fargo and things like that. I mean, if the guy is listed as Sue plays, if the guy is listed as being coached by Ivanov, I'm giving him a bump. Every He's time. just too good. Every time you see that treetop next to the name and you swallow real deep and you tell your kid you better tuck your chin because <laughs> they're coming out and they're wrestling Greco. Is that a high level? And there's some techniques in Greco. I mean, you talk about these secret techniques. There really are in Greco. There's things you can do off two-on-ones. There's things you can do in parterre. <laughs> Listen, I, I don't care how good of an athlete you are. If you haven't practiced that stuff, it's just not going to work. Freestyle doesn't totally work that way. Jaden Cox is showing us this. Look, if you got a good takedown, you know how to scramble and get your leg back. You know where the out-of-bounds is and you got a gas tank. You're going to do a good job. Greco is different. There's a lot of tricks involved there, and I just think there's a major opportunity. And I think that's the message. I think, listen, if, if you are the redheaded stepchild, as I said earlier, go ahead and steer into that. Let guys know, hey, not a lot, not a lot of depth right here. You want to make a team, come on over to Greco. I think it's a selling point, and, and I realize it's reverse marketing, but the truth is on your side. You know, I never, I never thought about it till we're talking about it now, but um... – the trend has been, and we just had Coach Zadik on the other day, and they announced him as the head coach, and, and um, Bruce Burnett and Zeke Jones have alluded to it several times, is that these regional training centers at um, Iowa and Ohio State and Penn State, and um, they are working, right? They're really working. But implicitly, like, that, they're working for freestyle. What if, what if these regional training centers each embedded a Greco coach on Ohio State's campus or Penn State's campus. Now, Penn State has YCAP coming in, a WCAP coming in. Um, but that might be an angle, right? 
I love it. If that question was to me, I love it. Paul, what do you think about that? I mean, I, I think that it makes perfect sense. There's such opportunity, particularly with these clubs. You know, if you if you want to compete on the Division One level, you have to have a club. you got to be able to recruit these kids and let them know, look, you move out here, you take this scholarship, you, you, you get ingrained in our community, but it's not a four- to five-year proposition. Mm-hmm. If you want to wrestle for 10 years, you can do it all right here under one roof. And, and you're just simply not going to be a top-10 team if you don't have that club and that funding and that backing to have a postgraduate career. And I think, uh, you know, to Willie's point, if you had a Greco, it would be so unique. You know, it would just be so unique. And you can do it side by side with the freestyle. A couple of Iowa guys have done that over history where they went in the room and they, they focused on their parterre and they stood upright instead of bending their knees. You can go a long way if you just have workout partners for Greco. Yeah, I think the the challenge there, and I'm, I'm all in, I'm all for it. I think it, it'd be fantastic to have not just freestyle regional training centers, but Greco attached to these NCAA programs. Here's yeah. your cha- here's your challenge. Your challenge is getting these NCAA coaches to think that's a good idea. Because I, I can tell you right now, there are NCAA coaches that are reluctant to go freestyle in the offseason because that paycheck they get is for their NCAA accolades and folk style wrestling. And they believe, some, that if they're not focused on folk style... They're going to fall behind to the point that a coach I like and respect very, very, very much, and I think is a great coach, said, "We." I was like, "Name names, pile." I'm not going <laughs> to do names. it. I wish I'm not going to do it. Uh, I love this guy, and he's like, you know, I was like, "Hey, I see a junior nationals. I'm see like, we got to get better at folk style." I was like, "I wish I could. I wish we could go. You know, I love freestyle. This is a guy that was decorated, right?" And he's like, I, I can't. We got to get better at folk style wrestling. And sure enough, those guys have not been there. And so that's freestyle, Chael. That's freestyle. So now can you imagine if they said, have your guy uh, doing reverse lifts. Have your guys training Greco. I mean, the heads are going to explode. So uh, the, the buy-in the, has to come in from these NCAA programs and coaches. Very true. But the, the, the teams that are most successful – the teams that are most successful in NCAA wrestling, they are all in on freestyle. The Iowa's, Ohio's, states, Penn State's. Uh, so. Selectively. Selectively. You know, they're, send, and, they're sending guys, but they're not sending entire groups. And Ahad, uh, Cornell just got Cornell right. just got the, the assistant national team coach, Ahad, uh, in Ithaca. So maybe there's another place. Yeah, Ithaca, I mean, Finger Lakes is like... They have like a full Greco program there, I believe, um, but that that's like the only one. So that uh, that's what I see the challenge as. So that's a challenge to the the NCAA coaches, and it's easy for me to say, yeah, so support Greco, but yeah, that's that, so that's how I see that. Um, man, we could go a thousand different. Directions. I have so many questions. Um, well, okay, what did you make of uh, the? The meldonium stuff, all the the steroid outbreaks, the state-sponsored doping in Russia. Um, what was your take? Any surprises there? Well, you know, meldonium specifically. You know, I lived in that world for a while of of performance enhancers, and I I, I was really kind of an expert on it. I'd never heard of meldonium, but you know, that's one of the things you get these labs, especially when you're talking about state-sponsored stuff. They they can change change one strand. You get the right chemist. And all of a sudden, you, you've got a new substance. So I'm not an expert on that one, though I've read about it lately. A bunch of UFC guys went down for it. A bunch of athletes are going down for it. 
But as far as the state-sponsored doping goes, I mean, this goes back to the USSR days before, before the coup and the breakup of the Soviet Union. I argue this with people all the time that always want to come out and talk about the European championships or that are tougher than the, the, than the world championships and the Russian nationals is the t- and Tbilisi and all this stuff. I'm going, guys, you don't know what you're talking about. These Russians aren't as good as you guys make believe they are. They just have really good results because they're juiced up. And the same thing goes when Iran made its presence and the same thing's going with India right now. This stuff goes through these programs, whether it's college programs or it's even on a national level. And I'm going, guys, your eyes are fooling you. Forget about all those medals the Russians have. Their technique isn't better. Their training techniques aren't better. You know, the, the, the Russian way, when the Russians come over to the U.S., the very first thing they do is say, well, you guys train too hard. You need to train less. Well, yeah, you can train a lot less when you're sticking a needle in your ass every Sunday afternoon. And that's the reality. And these guys, don't they, they don't understand it. You know, if you lived in that world, when a guy takes his shirt off, I can can tell you everything that he, he took. I can look at his traps. I can look at his abs. I can look at his nipples. I can tell you specifically what substance. And all of a sudden, you start trading these medals for techniques. You start training these training secrets for this this state sponsored doping. And, and the waters get really murky. And, and you know, we've been told forever that the Russians have the secrets and the best coaching and the best training program. It's like, look, that's not true. They do have the best results. But you guys aren't you guys aren't understanding where that's coming from. Even our own greats in this country, some of them were were, were beating these tests and whatnot. And you know, I'm going in a few directions with this. You asked about Mel- meldronium, if I'm even pronouncing that right. Look, a lot of this is going on, and you know, the the Russians are already out of the Olympics for track and field. We'll see what happens there. I, I personally think, you know. If, if bad starts to go to worse in Russia, Putin will get ahead of it. He'll just boycott the whole damn thing to look like it was his idea. But, yeah, the, the, the truth is they got state-sponsored doping. They've had it since the USSR days. You know, the, Rocky, was it Rocky IV when he, when he, when he fought? Uh, Drago. Uh, yeah, Drago. Dra- Drago, the Russian. You know, they, they did that in the movie, but that was a real thing. That, that's always been part of the Soviet uh, regimen when it comes to athletes. They take those medals seriously. And people don't understand, you know, they don't have NFL over there and NHL and NBA. They have the Olympic Games and they take it seriously. And, and if cheating comes into that, then they're going to go ahead and cheat. But those medals matter to those guys. And whenever I have these U.S. guys want, want to tell me the Russian system and how great they do it, and we train too hard in the U.S., it's like, man, there is no such thing as anything too hard. You always got to work too hard. There's no successful guy in the world that says, well, you know, I just work too hard. That's never happened. Hard work pays off. Those guys aren't everything they're made out to be, but they do have some real dirty secrets. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the guy that is kind of the poster child for speculation right now is is Anzar Boltakayev, the the 97-kilo guy. He beat Snyder and Varner. He won Russian Nationals. This is a guy, we didn't see him for a couple years. He was... Good, very good, um, but not elite, not Russian elite. And then all of a sudden he comes out and he looks like the best guy in the planet. Right, he texts Gatsalov in less than a minute. Right, he's teching legends and he looks like, uh, does he have the look you described? You say you can look at guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, most definitely he does. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's it's going through the Iranian guys. The Cubans had their problems. I mean, it's just a reality. When one guy gets, you know, you got to understand these, these, these top countries, there's only three and four gyms without the, throughout the entire country where these top athletes are coming from. So, it, you know, just to spread through a country is pretty quick when it's only got to spread to two or three gyms. One guy brings it in. 
and it goes from there. Yeah, Will, Willie brought up a picture of him. I'm looking at him right now. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Come on, how many human beings are walking around that look like this guy? Yeah, and and especially when when you consider this guy is like 29 years old, okay, and all of a sudden, um, those those growth spurts don't really happen when you're 26. Last I checked, maybe the jury's still out on. On no, I, I hear your point. I mean, we can speculate all we want, or, or you can talk to a guy like me that, that, that knows exactly what he's doing. I mean, I, I'm telling you, it's what, I wouldn't disparage a guy like this. I love watching his matches, all that nice stuff. Yes, the guy's juiced, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, David, Taylor, David Taylor went overseas and, and lost two matches and was frustrated. You know, he's breaking into the 86-kilo thing. It's like, David, if I, could, if I could grab you and sit you down, I'd tell you one thing. You haven't lost to a clean guy yet. The only clean guy you've lost to is named Kyle Dake, okay? It just it had it hadn't happened, but he doesn't know. You know, he's real naive on those things. And I'm watching these guys going, look, you don't need to change the way you're, you're training and preparing everything else. You just got to get into WADA-sanctioned events. How hard are these tests to, to beat? Is it, is it hard, or is it— or is... The testing just basically non-existent. Well, they're 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 very hard to beat. Let's use MMA for example. What they've done now is they they've adopted USADA, who's the best of the best, and part of USADA is random testing. So they will show up at your house and you've got a test. Now that on a wrestling level only uh, qualifies in the U.S. for our national team guys. If you're a top three guy, so if you're four or five or anything other than the top three, you're not subject to that. You're not within that pool. So you're told ahead of time when the tests will be, and the randomness is is very important for it. it it's a, it's a really uh, it, it's really the key. And you've got all these tournaments that go on that, that there's no testing. They tell these guys ahead of time. You know, it's like what David Taylor just ran into. So it's tough. But when you have the World or Olympic Games coming up, you know that you're going to be tested. In that case, no, it's 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 pretty easy. It, it's more an IQ test than it is a drug test. <laughs> so at that point, all right. So. Again, I'm a little ignorant here, so help me. But, all right, let's say I'm Anzor Boltekaev. I haven't been tested yet, but I've been juicing like crazy for, for a couple of years now. Is there a point in time where, okay, I'll just get off the stuff now at date X, and I'll be good by Rio, and will A, is that an effective method to, to test or negative? And B, what kind of negative impact could that have on performance? Well, yeah, it, it could dip your performance a little bit. That is true. But even when the, that residue and those chemicals are out of your system, a lot of the benefits will stay for life even. There, there are some arguments that they could stay for life, that once you change those, uh, those muscles and the cells and the growth, that it could change for life. So, yeah, I mean, that, and that's essentially what guys do. They know the Olympics are coming up and they get clean. Now, I don't know how it works in Russia, if it's their top three are eligible like it is here in the U.S. I don't really know how that works. I just know for us, it's the whole national team. You're, you're under USADA. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You, you've got to turn in forms, let them know where you are so they can come and test you. If you're not where you said you will be, it's an automatic fail. You get three of those and you're out. That happened actually, uh, and, and it happened very quietly, but the Egyptian, the, the Greco-Roman wrestler, mm -hmm. uh, 96 kilograms, he won an Olympic gold medal in the last games. He came out of retirement, dropped down. Uh, dropped down to 185 pounds, ended up with a silver medal. But he just served a suspension that will be up in time for him to come back to the Rio Olympics. But he served a suspension for missing three times. He wasn't where he said he'd be, and, and they banned him for two years. So, I mean, that, that's a real thing. But to your point, uh, yes, you, you simply, if you know when the date is, 
You can cross-reference what you're taking, what the half-life of it is, make sure it's out of your system, and, and not have to worry about it. That guy um, that you're talking about, I believe he was at um, – he, he's been training at the OTC, if I recall. He was there when I was out there before. But, yeah, I guess he'll be back for real. Um, circling back, World Cup, any thoughts, any predictions, any um, particular matches or teams you're really looking forward to? Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to all that. I love the World Cup. It's a really big deal. Um, I'll tell you this. I mean, it's it's not the answer you're looking for, but I'm looking forward to the warm-ups. I want to see the interaction between Dennis and Ramos. I want to see if they grab each other and they warm up, if they go over parterre, if Ramos says, hey, show me that gut wrench that you turned me with. You know, I don't think any of that's going to happen, but, uh, but I'm interested. I'm interested if that relationship's going to be icy. Uh, how the team's going to interact. But as far as the wrestling goes, man, the World Cup's incredible. Uh, you, you go back to, it would have been two, 2014, Jordan Burroughs was down in, in two separate matches and possibly three where he had to come back. Now, all that meant was he gave up the first takedown or two before he teched a guy. But <laughs> it's still something to see, right? These come, guys come out, they're ready to wrestle. Uh, you, you look at Clayton Foster took out a, a, a world's bronze and the next day came back and took out a world champ. Right. Um, you know, there's, there's just excellent, excellent wrestling. My favorite wrestler, uh, the Prince of Persia, Yastani. Uh, I don't believe he's in the lineup for Iran. I read it and, and, and he wasn't listed. I, they might still bring him, but you know, I, I hope Yastani comes. Maybe we're going to see him in Schneider. Maybe we'll see him in Varner again. He's always had a resentment towards Varner. He beat him at a world cup eight to one. Varner goes on three months later, becomes the Olympic champion. Uh, Yazani went down at the Olympics with a knee injury. So, you know, I like the Prince, man. I like the Prince. And I don't, I, I don't like when people call him Yazdani. They need to address him properly. The <laughs> Prince of Persia. Right, have you heard his other nickname, the Leopard of Jabor? No, I haven't, but I like it. <laughs> He's a man with many nicknames. Okay. I've also heard him called the Persian Panther, which I, I like Panther as much as I do Prince. Yeah, th those all work. The alliteration's great there. Yeah, what you Daniel Cormier and I went to meet him at the last, uh, at the last World Cup. We, we got in the back room. We had these credentials, and uh, we, we went in the back to meet him, and he shooed us away with his hand. No, Go he away. didn't. Come <laughs> yes, come back later. So we liked him even more, and we did. We came <laughs> back later, he shooed us away again. We never got to meet him. His, his Willie, didn't you meet him? I met him. I had. I took a picture with him, and I got. How you know, did that just, happen? Uh, he was just walking around in the lobby of the hotel, the host hotel at World Cup oh last gosh. year, and I asked for a picture, and I got a picture with him. And you know, there's there's people on Twitter, the the Iranian fans, the 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 motto is or the mantra is Yazdani the greatest. They they say that they comment on that on almost everything. So that's become like a inside joke. You mentioned the Dennis Ramos. Drama. What I mean, you talk about controversy. Holy smokes, this was controversy. What was your take on that entire situation? Well, it was really hard to relate to, you know, because Ramos is in a very unique spot. You know, there, there, there's 200 guys in the whole country that are competing on a real elite level, and of those 200 guys, there's only about 20 to 25 that have legitimate chances to make Olympic teams that have sacrificed everything: money, social life, living situations. Absolutely everything. So it's tough to get into those mindsets. As an outsider, you look at it and you go, all right, you're from Iowa. You're, you're stuck around. You're trained in Iowa. He's from Iowa. He's stuck around. He trained in Iowa. You know, every, it's, it, it's his home, too. But it, there's a little bit more to it, and it's really hard to judge because, again, the mindset uh, of somebody, it, it's just really unique. I mean, there's only 25 guys in the country that can relate that have truly sacrificed all these things. So I really try not 
to judge it, but I, I was disappointed in some level that Ramos left because I know his relationship with Terry Brands, and I know that that's a big driving force, and I know Cejudo had that same relationship, and when Cejudo broke it, uh, he also went from number one in the world. Well, he sits right now at number two in MMA, but that, that, that your coach matters and that relationship matters. And I know those guys were tough and it broke my heart, man. It made me feel bad. I know, I know that was hard on Terry. I know that's hard on Tony and, uh, you know, thank goodness that he's going to continue his career. He's in great hands with Coleman Scott. What a trans, uh, uh, you know, in styles, um, that word I'm looking for. I, I lost my place. But you know what? It, what a difference in styles to go from Iowa to an Oklahoma State guy. I'm, I'm real my curious. First thought as well. Yeah, I'm real curious how that'll work out for him, and I, th- I think it's going to be positive. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree. I think. Uh, yeah, I think. But there's no way not, to not respect Tony, even if you don't agree with him. There's no way not to respect it because he tells you straight up. He didn't hide anything. Here's what's bothering me. Maybe it should. It does. I don't apologize for it. I don't care. I felt slighted. Here's why I felt slighted. I mean, there's no way, you know, I heard some people uh, roast him a little bit or, yeah. say, you know, say he was being a baby about it. Listen, the, the, he told the truth. He said what's bothering me. It's up to him. That's I, his decision. And when a guy's sacrificing everything for our entertainment and his chance to get a medal, man, I, you can't you can't kick kick sand in his face ever. If that's how he feels, then that's what it is. Yeah, everyone wants honesty until people are honest with him and tell him Yeah, that's feel. right. Yeah, it, it's, you tell it's, us the truth. Well, it, Ramos did. Yeah, it's it's a hilarious irony from from fans and, and people, and well, whether you agree or disagree, exactly right. You, you respect the guy for saying how he feels. Chael, this hour has absolutely blown by. This was like uh, world class speed here. What what a great show. Um, anything else for us? Obviously, a thank you from Willie and I to you for uh, hopping on here, and you are obviously welcome anytime. But what else you got for us? Any parting thoughts? No, it's it's been a pleasure. Thank you. I I don't want it to end. I'm trying to drag out a thought. I can't believe it's been an hour myself, man. That did fly by. Yeah, the World Cup's coming up. Let's see. Is there anything we didn't cover? I don't think so. It's Olympic year. There's never been a better time to be a wrestling fan. Are you going Uh, to the Olympics? No, I'm not. I'm going to follow it. And, you know, the coverage has been great. NBC's doing some stuff, particularly on their dot-com. So, uh, you know, now we can get some more matches. I remember back in 92 when we had the true dream team, you know, Smith, Jackson, Monday, Baumgartner, Zeke Jones, we had all these guys. And the only match they showed in its entirety was John Smith's gold medal match. Mm. And and even these other guys that went for medal, you got a little clip here or there. NBC has totally... Uh, turned the corner on that. They're doing a great job. And the dot-com does make it helpful. So, no, I'm going to watch from home. I, I want to go to the Olympics. Brazil's a tough place right now. You know, they got that <laughs> virus. That's a real thing. It's a, it's a tough place. So I'm, I'm going to watch from my living room. Yeah, you made some pretty hilarious comments about Brazil back in the day. With the, I was on fire. <laughs> that, they're on fire. I actually, I was listening to when you're talking about the guy petting the bus and feeding it a carrot. Yeah. The, yeah. He thought it was a horse. He thought it was a horse. He thought it was a yeah, horse. He, yeah. He was in the Noguera brothers. They were, they were, I was in Las Vegas the first time they touched down in the U S and yeah, a bus pulled up to a red light. He tried to feed it a carrot. He thought it was a horse. I know, <laughs> you know, and you wouldn't have made those comments. You didn't really know. Happened. I think you were treated unfairly because you didn't know they had computers there. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's right. I said it all in private. I said it on the internet. And if I knew that they had computers in Brazil, I wanted it done. I felt really bad about it. What do you think? I don't have anything better to do than sit around and find out all the countries we gave the computer to. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, while we're rolling, let's keep rolling. You, you work at ESPN. You work for the mothership, man. What What is that like? It's kind of a weird time for ESPN. Um, 
outspoken personalities and talent are going elsewhere. Um, what's it? What's the climate at ESPN? That is true. You know, you do have to be uh, careful. Don't forget, first off, it's a publicly traded company, so the rules are different. And then secondly, it's it's owned by Disney. Mm -hmm. And that's a really relevant fact because you want to make sure to stay in your lanes. And a lot of guys, um, you know, particularly when you have your own show, you get your own ego or you think it's, uh, you know, your your artistic right uh, to say certain things. Well, no, it doesn't work that way. You know, if you want to be in business for yourself, you can make the rules. But if you work for somebody else, you do it their way. And I think we all have to remind ourselves of that. And that's just true. That's not me towing the company line. That's just the reality. It is a public company and it's not yours. And all the hosts need to remember that. You know, you work there and you're fortunate to have the position, but this is not your company. You got to do it their way. Yeah. Is there ever like conversation? I mean, you, you came in with the reputation as, as outspoken, maybe co not controversial, but an outspoken guy. Was there ever like, hey, these are specific chill ground rules and you need to do this this and you can't talk about this or was it just the general hr spiel just the general hr spiel in fact it, it was handed to me in a pamphlet i had to go home and read it there wasn't like a class i had to go to and i don't think they were overly worried about that as much as i'll push it or, or do it i've never used profanity publicly right. in, in any fashion ever building a fight or this or that or even on the internet here i i, I just don't use profanity so uh saying things and staying in my lane is 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 pretty easy for me to do but i i do believe in an entertainment aspect you know i want people to listen i do believe controversy creates cash and i don't apologize for it yeah that's awesome who when's your next uh podcast who got any big guests lined up you know i just had frank trigg on i had a hilarious guy i i dropped it uh yesterday in fact named joey diaz and i didn't know who joey diaz was somebody told me hey have joey diaz on I, I i google him and i recognized him i watched the sopranos he was on the Sopranos, so i knew his face anyway i have oh. joey diaz on and joey just started a podcast so pile i say to him i say so joey what got you into podcasting and he says you know i i, I mugged a hooker down in new jersey and set her wig on fire <laughs> and i'm thinking what <laughs> I'm going, wait, okay, time out. For, I asked you what got you into podcasting. Second, but what? And he says, yeah. So I, his point was this. He finally made it was he went somewhere. He told this story about mugging a prostitute in New Jersey and then burning her prosthetic wig. And, and he was like an overnight success. People wanted to hear more stories. So it got him into podcasts. And he goes, but Chael, this is what happened in my neighborhood. He's a Brooklyn guy. He goes, this is the way it was in my neighborhood. He goes, I thought everybody had stories this late. Like, I thought I'd tell you I mugged a hooker and burned a wig on fire. I think you're going to tell me, well, I mugged 10 hookers and burnt 10 wigs on fire. So we just go from there. And he was the, the funniest guy. And it was these horrible stories, but he presented them so well. Like, here, Pyle, he tells me this story that uh, he finds out I'm in Portland. He goes, yeah, I love the Northwest. I used to be up in Seattle. I can't go back. I got a warrant. And I go, oh, okay, what do you got a warrant for? And he goes, well, I took two kilos. He goes, I robbed two kilos. I said, you stole two kilos? He goes, yeah, I did the cop's job for him. I took two kilos off the street. I did what they're supposed to be doing. And, and then real calmly, he goes, and you know what else, Chael Sonnen? He calls me by my full name. You know what else, Chael Sonnen? I happen to have a machine gun with me. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so you robbed some guy of two kilos at, at gunpoint. He goes, yeah, but I, it was funny. I really didn't get in trouble for that. I went down on the kidnapping charge. And I go, wait, what happened? I don't know this guy. I don't know what I'm getting into here. This right. is just a voice on the phone. So then he says, uh, this story has a payoff. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. This I love it. He tells me. He goes, yeah, but, you know, kidnapping's real easy definition to get. He goes, you know, let, let's say I grab you by the neck and I take you in, in a room next door to cool you off. 
he says, taking you from one place to another against your will is kidnapping. So I think like he's going to say he got caught up in a definition charge and he go, but no, it turned out that he duct taped a guy, put him in his trunk and then held him for a week at his house. So I don't, I still to this day don't realize how these tied together. Now here's the payoff. Here's where it gets interesting. Cause my original question to him was, how'd you get into podcasting? So he kidnaps some guy, robs his Coke and happens to have a machine gun, ends up going down for two years, goes to prison for it. He finds the guy on Facebook. This was in 1987. He finds the guy on Facebook two months ago, sends him a request. The guy likes him. They start talking. He, the guy's out in uh, uh, Phoenix now. He has the guy on his podcast, and they talk about the time he robbed him, <laughs> duct taped him, and held on to him for a week. So the guy was a good sport about it. The guy's like, yeah, those were crazy times. You know, I'm glad you let me go. It, was just, it, just, it went down this crazy path, but the way he presented it with such truth and honesty, it was – I'm in. Tell me the whole story. Everybody likes to think they have good stories. This dude got stories. That's right. Oh, that's, my that's gosh. Right. Yeah, we got to get him on somehow. Yeah, I could go on and on, but, I mean, th this was my experience, and it was it was one of the funnier days I, I had at work was talking to Joey D. He was just hilarious. That's insane. Hey, did you hear? I'm sure you heard, but uh, Ian Miller to Oregon State as a volunteer assistant. You gotta be, no way. Yes. When did that happen? Like yesterday. Wow, that's a great pickup. I talk to Roberts all the time. In fact, Roberts and Zaleski are in my hometown of Westland. They were, last night they ran a wrestling practice for for Kevin Keeney at All Phase. Uh, but no, I talk to Roberts all the time. He didn't mention that's a great pickup. Yeah, yeah. Toss As you call, I remember in our pool this year, uh, you picked him and you called him hashtag Free Ian Miller. <laughs> that's right, Free. And he it. did get screwed. He did. What happened with R Real Buto, That was wrong, man. That really was wrong. That was one of the bigger travesties. In NCAA history. Yeah, and the fact that, if we're going to go there, let's go there. Not only did, was it scored wrong, but you have the opportunity to correct the decision, and you say, we stand by the decision. That was the most appalling part. Mistakes happen, scoring errors happen. I find it more or less inexcusable, but whatever. If you have the opportunity to correct it, and they didn't correct it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And you know what? The thinking of the coaches, I suppose that's a tough one. You, you take the ones you can get when you can get them. But from any kind of sportsmanship standpoint, even if you're Rob Cole, you come back to the table and you say you had that wrong. Yeah. yeah well, that's sure. that's good. I, I didn't even know about Ian Miller. I knew he was – There were that's, that's a huge pickup for Oregon State. Several programs were courting him, including Illinois. Who well, else, Christian? Uh, well, Iowa – was for, for him to go to the Hawkeye Wrestling Club, but Ian is on the fence about continuing to compete. As of right now, he's not competing anymore. So Christian, was he hired as a Northwest Trading Club guy, or was he hired as an assistant? No, a volunteer assistant coach. Okay. So he's, well, who did who did they put who did they put in Steiner's spot? Because they have another position. They didn't fill that, did they? No, not that I've heard. Not that. And I've then heard. who who is Steiner brought in at Fresno State? Um, that's TBD. I don't think he's announced his – he's put together his staff as of yet, but I think in July. Well, that TBD needs to turn into PDQ because wrestling season is right <laughs> around the corner. <laughs> Absolutely. I completely agree. Yeah, it's coming up. Were you excited to see uh, Steiner go to Fresno? Oh, I love it. I, I don't know how you take the Fresno job and the first person you don't call is Abbas. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, that's just, again, a respect thing, but uh, – I don't know how you do that, and, and he's still out there, and the community loves him. And uh, you know, when it comes to recruiting, I, I just think you got to make that phone call and say, "Hey, Stephen, what are you up to?" So, 
Steiner's a smart guy. Whoever he brings in is going to be great. If he's taking his time, I guarantee he's vetting some guys. I mean, Steiner is, is really one of the more respectable humans I've met on my time on this earth. I would, I would go that far. He's a really sharp guy, and he plans to win out there. But I, I do think just out of respect, if nothing else, I, I really think he needs to make that phone call. Yeah, you wonder you wonder with what phone calls were and weren't made in in that for that position. I'm sure a California having someone from California was important, but as you said, you can't find a a bad story about about Coach Steiner. So that's good. Well, hey, I think we've exhausted this. Um, not really. We could probably do this for three to four hours, but I know you're a busy man. Your time is valuable, and uh, thank you so much once again for for hopping on, Shale. And as as I mentioned. Before open invitation. Come oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. When I'm not when I'm not on the show, I'm th- I'm flattered to be on the show because I listen to you guys all the time. You do a great job. Keep it up. Keep promoting wrestling, man. Thank you for doing that. These guys they, they deserve more thanks. They deserve more thanks than they get. And 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 I'm you know even that that comment we made about Hayeswinkle earlier that should have been front page news that Hayeswinkle made a finals of of, of both sports and, and it was just a miss it was it was just a miss by us you know you get a guy like that then he pops back in on a bad day he ends up second in the u.s open you know it's just, there's stuff like that where i wish these guys would get credit here i'll tell you i'll tell you one that pisses me off from, from i'll go back uh to 2012 nick simmons in one day beat the defending ncaa champion the defending olympic champion and that year's olympian and did not make the team in 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 one day, he beat Cejudo, he beat I believe it was Ramos for for the NCAA champion, and then he beat Hayeswinkle in, in one of the three. He beat the defending NCAA champion, Olympic champion, and Olympian, and didn't make the team. And nobody said boo. It's just goodbye, Nick Simmons. Well, that's a bunch of crap right there. Those guys deserve their due, man. They just they just do. Yeah, yeah, no disagreement. And Willie, you talked about this that. Guys, uh, when they're retiring, they're leaving the sport, but we never really get that chance sometimes to even say goodbye. You know, uh, t- talk about the Olympic trials, leaving your shoes, all that. Yeah, uh, um, you know, it's it's become this thing where you leave your shoes on the mat, and you certainly don't want to see guys leave their shoes on the mat if they're unsure, and then they make a comeback because that's not that's not great. But, um, I you know, I'm of the opinion that wrestling. Um, takes the most self-sacrifice, the most self-discipline uh, of any sport in the world, and and I I think all of us really appreciate the hard work they put in and and the and the entertainment that they give us over the course of their career. And sometimes we don't know if they're retired or not, and so we can't do our due diligence and praise them as they end their career. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chael, who is the best wrestler of all time? Just the best wrestler, no age group, it just who's the best wrestler of all time? The best. Okay. I have to preface it with this because, you know, you get these pound-for-pound pound lists and the greatest of all time, and it comes down to a medal count. Guys start going, well, he's got this many medals, and he's got that, – that's not what it's about. The best wrestler of all time. You put the best wrestler of his best day on the mat. I put on the mat, less gutches on his best day, less gutches beats him. The things that I saw – Less gutches, not only defeating the defending world and Olympic champion three months out of college to make a team himself, not only winning 
a medal himself, but he was a hell of a Greco wrestler that gets forgot about. He used to wrestle Greco-Roman. He was a cadet world silver medalist. He won the junior nationals as a sophomore in high school at 178 pounds. That's a real weight class in Greco-Roman. He never wrestles Greco again except in the practice room. He got His idol was Mark Schultz. His idol was Dave Schultz. He wanted to do what these guys did. He could have done... Uh, just incredible things in Greco-Roman. So then you, you you add the Hodge trophies and the collegiates, you add the freestyles in there. His career was cut a little bit short, but he beat the guys of his generation. He beat Cale Sanderson, so he beat the guys of the next generation. I could tell you things that he did in the practice room. You know, there's that expression, uh, uh, what happens in the practice room stays in the practice room. Well, that's a true story. But there's got to be a moratorium on that. There's got to be X amount of time that goes by and you start telling practice room stories because, you know, once the guys are retired, if you don't tell those stories, they just die. They just go away. I would tell you some less gutcha stories right now from the practice room. The only thing holding me back is mm-hmm. some of the guys that he did things to, that he abused, that he would score 100 points to none on in an hour workout are now leaders in our community, their club coaches, their NCAA Division I coaches. He would beat guys so bad, uh, Christian, he would beat guys so bad that, remember when Alexander Karelin used to whip somebody's ass and that guy wasn't even upset, he was relieved, he accepted it, and he was just glad the experience was over? Les Gutchess would do that to guys in the practice room where he would score 100 points to their none, and they wouldn't, nobody's throwing headgear or punching walls. They they got to the point where they expected it. It was that bad of beatings, and I'm talking about some names, man. I'm talking about big, big name guys. I would watch him go over and, re- and wrestle Greco-Roman against Olympians for this country, and it would be 10-0 in the first round. It just playing around. He would go. It would be 10-0 inside of three minutes. And uh, yeah, the best, the best wrestler to ever live. I would put less gutches on the mat against anybody. One of my favorite wrestlers is Malbat uh, Batirov from mm-hmm. Russia, who is uh, who Stephen Abbas. Uh, lost to in the 2004 Olympics. He came back to the 2008 Olympics and actually drew the defending Olympic champion in the first round. It was blind draw that he moved up a weight class. He drew the Cuban in the first round. Uh, and that's back when it was the best of three periods. He put him away in two straight periods without getting up a point. But Tirov is greatly underrated because Satiev was still competing at the time. But, uh, yeah, you, you want an answer. There's never been a guy alive that could beat Les Gutchess on on his best day. Les, Les Gutchess today walks into a room, and he's like uh, the most Jack's intimidating-looking dude there. Even if there's a bunch of Olympic-level wrestlers, he is still, appearance-wise, looks to be in incredible shape. So I can only imagine. T- top, fi- top five in the country right now, either style. No kidding. One no match. Kidding. One match, and there's not very many people that would dispute that. If you came out with that claim, there's not there's not four guys in the country that say, give me my shot at it. Most people would just step aside and go, yeah, he is. He still is. <laughs> but tear off Olympic gold in 04, world silver 07, Olympic silver in 08. Nice, nice. And, well, here, and I'll tell you no. this about Batirov. There no, was There I'm was sorry. a year where he didn't medal at all. And do you want to know who beat him at the Worlds? A young man named Mike Zadik. Get him, Mike. Yeah. Yep, the year Zadik got a silver, he took out Batirov. Wait, wow. I got that wrong. Olympic champ in 04, world champ in 07, Olympic champ in 08. Tough to do. Tough and then he do. threw a match to his brother for, for, for the Olympic spot in uh, 2012. His brother was the representative, but Malvat threw the match so his brother could go. Adam, 
Adam Batero? He who is wrestling who's wrestling for Bahrain. Bahrain, yeah. Yep. Wow. Crazy. Well they yeah, they traded passports over there, how they do that. And, and, and now Adam's back in the mix. I'd like to see him do 145 pounds, though. That's not easy to do, man. That, that's just a stacked weight class. Very stacked. But, uh, it's, it's debated that's the toughest weight in the, in the world right now for freestyle. And Hey, can I tell you a story about the time I met John Smith? Please. So I'm sitting across from John Smith. I, I got invited to this, uh, this dinner that John Bardis threw out in Las Vegas, and I found out Smith was going to be there, and I told Bardis' assistant, I said, wow, I said, I've, I've always wanted to meet him, but I never have. So it was assigned seating, so she set me up straight across from him. And for three and a half hour, it was a three and a half hour interrogation. I was with my wife, and she's like, you realize that guy never wants to see you again. And I was like, I don't care. That was my chance, man. It's my whole life. That was my, I asked him every question I, I could ever want to ask him. So anyway, I'm sitting straight across, three and a half hours. Tommy Rollins was there. Let's go. I just, I grill him for three and a half hours. And I said to him at some point, I said, hey, coach, when, uh, when you were training, um, you know, what, what, what was it like working out, you know, with Kendall Cross? Or I go, what was it like working out with Kendall? And he cuts me off and he goes, Kendall, Kendall Cross, you know, Kendall. I said, yeah. He said, I used to kick his ass. I would kick Kendall's ass. He said, you know, Kendall, he was a pretty good wrestler. He won the Olympics once. And he <laughs> held up a finger. He goes, once. Like this, dismissing him. And I said, I said, well, tell me this. You know, in, in 1988, when you had to make your first Olympic team, so you were just a boy. You know, you, you're a 22-year-old boy, and you got to take on uh, Randy Lewis. Randy Lewis beat your brother in 84 your hero your coach you know what was this like as a boy taking on the defending olympic champion he says well you know kale he never got my name right the whole night thanks my name's kale he said you know kale thing you got to understand about 1988 1988 i had decided i was going to be the olympic champion <laughs> that was it that was that was the answer as to how he how a boy could come in and take out randy lewis the defending champ the blah 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 as a, as a 22 year old kid he had decided in 88 he was going to be the olympic champion that was it but that was my t three and a half hours just to hear him say that and hear how simple he made the the whole world he said you know you don't understand this being from oregon but in oklahoma that's what we're expected to do. We're expected to win the NCAA for the Cowboys, and we're expected to win World Olympic Championships. It's an expectation. He said, you know, you probably can't relate to that in Oregon. He said, you know, you guys have only had, what, five, six Olympic champions? I'm going, well, no, we've never had one. We've never had any Olympic champions. He goes, yeah, you guys probably only have five, six Olympic champions. He said, I was in the room with seven or eight of them every day. It wasn't, it wasn't any big deal. And I decided in 88 I was going to win it. Wow. Oh, all right. <laughs> is it that e like is that all it takes that, that, but yeah that was his answer i never got another answer that was it wow that's a what about him dismissing kendall cross because he only won one olympics just one did you hear me say that I, am i, I not am that. i not performing this right that's <laughs> hilarious that is hilarious that's it's like man uh, his, what his opinions may be uh, must be on other people like crazy crazy the standards high there man he's a uh, the the mind of a an elite guy like not just elite legendary you know it's it takes a pretty special mindset and they're gonna say some things that don't resonate with mortals as like making sense but uh, I think when X when the standards you set for yourself are that high you end up you have a pretty unique mentality so that yeah. thank you for sharing that story that's a great it's a great John Smith story I don't have a great John Smith story yet.
other than I look up to him a lot. Well, this is a record. It's a record. <laughs> um, you're a record breaker. You're the number one draw of all time, and now this will be the longest FRL of all time, Shale Sonnen. Um, but, yeah, thanks thanks once again, and um, we will have to do this again soon. Cool. I've had it with you. I've had it with you both. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, Chael. Uh, we thank you guys so much for tuning I knew, in. I uh, knew it was going to go that way, Christian. I knew he was going to um, talk all about wrestling, and 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 we didn't really need a script because Chael, like always, will carry it. He carried it, put it on his back. He said, follow me, boys. Great show. Awesome. Thanks so much to Chael Sonnen. Make sure you're listening to his podcast as well as our Subscribe to us. Subscribe to your welcome Chael's podcast. And, um, hey, thanks again. We'll do this again. We'll try to top it Tuesday. Um, good luck, right? Well, right. We're, we're going to give it our best just like we do every single freaking time. Thanks. See you at World Cup. Don't miss it. Later.